hello, everybody, and welcome to Coffee House Questions. This is Ryan Polly. Um, it was fun. I just got done listening to um, my interview with my mom uh, that I did a few weeks back on Active Reliance Radio. It just got done playing on there. And um, and so now here I am doing another live recording. And so um, I just wanted to, as I was thinking about that, just remind you guys that uh, every Wednesday from 4.30 to 5 uh, at activereliancecommunications.com uh, is the Coffee House Questions uh, radio show. And so um, if you're listening on Active Reliance, uh, then you can know that um, at 5 p.m. right after the show is done, that I then do a live recording uh, on Facebook Live. And so you can watch on Facebook Live uh, for those of you viewing. Um, you can send in questions and comments, and uh, I can get th- that information. Um, and so those are just different ways that you can connect. But uh, here I am again another week. I'm excited to be joining you guys um, for this show. And today the plan is to discuss um, a recent question I got uh, that was sent to me uh, by text. And and I want to kind of talk through that question uh, with you today. But just a quick reminder, if you have any questions, uh, the ways that you can communicate is you can send in your questions through email, uh, contact at coffeehousequestions.com. Uh, you can use Facebook at the Coffee House Questions Facebook page. Uh, you can send in questions through Twitter. My Twitter is uh, RyanPauly3. And uh, you can now text in questions. I have a Google uh, voice number for text messages only uh, that is 714-989-6927. So those are four different ways uh, that if you want to send in a question and submit it for possible um, content for either the blog or the radio show podcast, um, that's those are the ways that you can do it. So let me read uh, the question to you that I received uh, this last week. And then we're going to kind of work through this step by step um, on ways to respond. And so here is the question. Uh, It says, I've been told that the purpose to life is to procreate, that all our actions boil to one meaning alone, and that is to ensure the succession of our lineage. I've brought to the table the topic of meaning and have been countered with the belief that meaning is only chemicals that we merely assign meaning and have discovered good and bad merely because it affects our survival. How would you reason with this worldview? And so as we work through this, here are a few thoughts. First of all, as I always say, and I think it is good to repeat over and over again, we need to ask questions. This is taken uh, from the book Tactics, uh, written by Greg Kokel, and is called The Columbo Tactic. Uh, But there are questions. We need to gather more information, and we need to understand what they mean by words, uh, what and, and, and their information, where they get their information, what are their sources, um, how do they come to the conclusions they come to. Um, and so the first Columbo question, the first question is, what do you mean by that? Um, and we can also ask the second question is, how did you come to that conclusion? And so right off the bat, let's just look at this very first sentence. I've been told that the purpose to life is to pro- procreate. I would simply respond with a question. How did you come to that conclusion? How did you come to the conclusion that that is the purpose to life? And what do you mean by purpose to life? Is it, is it just your purpose? Is there a universal purpose? Um, is that just your opinion? 
Um, or is this some sort of truth that is outside of us, an objective truth, that we should be all discovering and all realize that this is the purpose to life? And so I would be curious, first and foremost, just to figure out, does this person believe that this is an objectively true statement that life's meaning is to procreate? And therefore, I should believe it and everyone should believe it because it doesn't change. Or is this just their opinion and they're sharing their opinion with me? And so that, that would be the first thing uh, that I would want to ask about. Um, because the reason that will help you understand is where they're coming from is who creates meaning. If to them, meaning is simply my opinion, then okay, you can believe that the purpose to life is to procreate, but if it's all just based on opinions, then my opinion, meaning the purpose to life is to, you know, love God and be in relationship with him, uh, I wouldn't be wrong. You wouldn't be wrong. We all just have our relative opinions and, and we can all be right. You know, the whole, that's true for you, but not for me. And we could just employ that strategy. However, I think that there is a problem with relativism. And very quickly, uh, relativism at its most basic sense is self-defeating. Uh, relativism can't stand up because in order to say, for example, there is no truth, well, you ask the question, well, is that true? Or all truth is relative. Well, is that just a relative truth? Because when someone makes these statements, they're, they're making objective statements. The purpose to life is this. And so they're trying to make this objective statement. And so I think that relativism in that sense, just basic sense, relativistic truth fails. But here's the problem with meaning to life if it is relative, and that is who creates it. Who creates meaning? Is it the majority that creates meaning? And whatever the majority decides, and that's what's right. If so, uh, is it just a majority within a country? Or is it the majority of the human race? If it is just the majority of the human race, then can meaning change over time? Um, is it possible for things like slavery to one day be a good thing or um, for the meaning of life to change? And it's not about procreation. Also, if we're talking about the survival of the species, I think an interesting question, if that's the meaning of life, is, is what they said in the second sentence. All our actions boil down to one meaning, and that is to ensure the succession of our lineage, the survival of our species. Well, why our species? Why not a different species? Why is it that the human race is the more important one? Um, you know, we talk about, you know, racism, disagreement, you know, and, and thinking you're better than a different race. Well, what about speciesism? What makes us think that we're better than someone else? Now, if you try and employ, well, we as humans are more intelligent. Okay, well, if, if a higher level of intelligence means that we can then say that my species should survive, and in order for my species to survive, I can kill another species, we can kill chickens and eat them. Well, then doesn't it logically follow that if intelligence and the higher intelligence has the right to survive, then what about within the human race? What about a higher race, a more intelligent person? Are they more valuable than someone who is less intelligent? Are adults more valuable and and um, more have the right to life and survival than young adults, than children? And we saw consequences like this with Nazi Germany, where we have this higher race that they believed, and therefore they could kill, enslave, and do these things to lower races because they were at this higher level. And so... 
a good question, I think, to ask is, okay, if that is, who gets to decide the purpose to life? Is it a group of people? Is it the majority gets to decide? And then why is it our succession? Why is it our lineage, our race that survives? Why not something else? And so I think this idea of who creates meaning can create a lot of issues and it can lead down some roads where I think asking those sorts of questions and getting the person to share where they get meaning from. How did you come to that conclusion? Why our race? Who decides? Is it just you or is this some sort of universal truth? How do you know that? And so I think that the first thing that I would kind of discuss is, is trying to understand what they understand about the meaning to life. Now, here's the second thing I want to bring up. In this question, it says, after they mentioned um, meaning, the meaning to life is a succession of our lineage, uh, this person writes, I brought, up to the, I brought to the table the topic of meaning and have been countered with the belief that meaning is only chemicals. Now, let's just stop there. Now, I did a podcast um, a while back. Uh, I don't have the exact date here, um, but it was called Arguing from Within uh, the Correct Worldview. And here's the basic idea that I kind of mentioned in that podcast. And, and if you're listening, um, then I will post this, uh, this podcast into um, a blog article on the Coffee House Questions website. And I will include a link to uh, the podcast that I'm referencing right now. But here's here's the issue is that we have to evaluate a worldview from within the same worldview, because this is what happens if we are talking to, in this sense. It sounds like the person is an atheist. Um, at least they believe that meaning is only chemicals. It sounds like kind of like a, a physicalism or, or materialism where only material, physical matter exists then if we talk about something like meaning, of course, meaning makes no sense, at least capital M meaning makes no sense within an atheistic worldview. To say that there is this universal objective meaning outside of ourselves doesn't make any sense within atheism. And so the response of saying, yeah, meaning is just a bunch of chemicals. We just assign meaning to what we've discovered to be good or bad. We just have our own personal meaning. That is how the atheistic worldview plays out that we can create meaning for ourselves, but this kind of objective, you know, big M meaning, or some people say the big V value or big T truth doesn't exist. And so I think bringing up the topic of meaning and then just say, well, what do you think about that? Well, meaning doesn't make sense in that worldview. Well, now, if you're looking at the Christian worldview, obviously meaning does make sense. Uh, We have a creator within the Christian worldview that has created things for a purpose, And when you create something with a purpose in mind, you give that thing meaning. It has a function to complete, and that is where meaning comes from. And so within the Christian worldview, yes, meaning does make sense. And so what I want to encourage now here in this next part of kind of responding to this question is that we can't just bring up something like meaning and then just allow the other world to shoot it down and say, well, meaning makes no sense. Well, yeah, that's right. In your worldview, meaning doesn't make any sense. In my worldview, it does. So let's now, what I want to encourage you to part two is kind of get down back to the basics. Let's go back to the basics. Let's evaluate these worldviews. Here we have one worldview that says uh, meaning is only chemicals. We assign meaning 
to what we've discovered to be good and bad based on how it affects survival. Uh, my worldview says no meaning is an objective standard based on a God that created us and gave us meaning. And we have to discover that meaning. And so now it comes back down to the evaluation of these worldviews. And so that's where I kind of want to go from now. But one quick side point before I go there, I want to point out one last thing in this question. It says that meaning has been discovered, is discovered based on what's good and bad because of how it affects our survival. Well, I might, depending on how close I am to this person, I might push that a little bit. If good and bad is merely decided based on our survival, now this is called the argument from absurdity. You apply their logic, their argument to an absurd conclusion. Now, I, I, I've done this uh, with students. I've done this uh, with people in the past on, on a lot of different issues. But if the argument is sound, then you should be able to apply it to an absurd conclusion and it still makes sense. And so if good and bad is decided on how it affects survival, we'll then bring up a, a situation that could be positive for survival, yet maybe that we think is bad. And, and then that and if we can think of a situation like that, then this view uh, breaks apart. Um, and so I think a couple of things. Um, what about um, you, you could maybe argue for something like stealing? If I could steal something and it helped not only my survival, but maybe my species, my species survival, then would theft, but stealing then become a good thing? If we're going to claim, oh, no, maybe it hurts their survival of someone else. Well, what if it's not something that's dependent on survival? Um, then it does become kind of this morally neutral thing. Um, or here's a common example that comes up because it's such a big issue. What about rape? That would help the species survive by producing more offspring. Now, someone might say, well, it's not necessary. Well, yeah, maybe it's not necessary, but if it ensures the survival of my species, then that should be a good thing. If it benefits the survival by producing more children, then that would be a good thing. Now, everyone is going to say, no, that's not a good thing. That's bad. Well, if we see that they're both the same kind of situation, but we want to say, no, that's bad, even though it might help survival, well, then morality isn't based on survival. Then what is morality based on? What is good and bad based on? If it is merely the survival of my species, then that can create some issues. Then what sorts of things could I get away with or what sorts of things would then become good actions because it does help me or my race survive? Also, think about this. Many people that bring this up, the topic of animal cruelty. Why would animal cruelty? What, what about animal rights? If me being harm, being cruel towards animals helps my lineage survive, then that would be a good thing. But to try and say, no, it's animal cruelty is bad. You can't be cruel towards animals. You have to, you know, animal rights. Well, where, how do animals get rights if it's only based on me surviving? I should be able to do whatever I want to animals. Or environmentalist, if it's mainly just, now you might say, well, me hurting the environment is hurting my survival. But hey, if I can produce more crops by creating more dams and blocking off stuff or destroying parts of the forest to help with my survival, well, then that should be a good thing. Um, but to try and say, well, no, the environment is more important. Okay, well, this might get us into some issues. So here's what I want to do um, now, kind of going back to my, my last point. Let's get to the basics of these worldviews. And I think after asking some questions, 
getting an understanding of where the person is coming from that we are talking to, then we need to do some evaluating. Okay, does your worldview, which says meaning is just chemicals uh, and the meaning to life is just to procreate, does that make more sense? Or does my worldview saying that there is a subjective meaning make more sense? And for that, I would recommend going back to philosophy. This is where I start with everything. And I just finished a week and a half of teaching philosophy with my high schoolers. And so if you don't think that high schoolers can learn metaphysics, epistemology, and the mind-body problem, uh, I would beg to differ. Um, I just spent a week and a half going over the philosophy of mind with high schoolers. And I think that the majority of them got it. Um, they were able to respond and they blew me away at their abilities. And so um, I don't think it, it's too difficult to discuss this sort of issue. And so um, I want to kind of break this down for you. Metaphysics is the study of trying to understand ultimate reality. What is ultimate reality? You can also use the word of ontology. What is the nature of being? Epistemology is kind of the more the study of knowledge. How do we know something? Right. And so here would be an interesting this comes in because this deals a lot with morality when you're talking about a, a moral action being good like or, or, or bad. It is bad to mistreat animals. And you ask why? And if the person says, well, I know it because, well, they're just giving you epistemology. How do I know treating animals is bad? That's different than the ontological or metaphysical question of why is treating animals bad? And that's what we want to get to, down to first is the why. What is the nature of being? And so when it comes to evaluating the worldviews, here's the place that I like to start is I ask the question to the person, what is the nature of reality? What does reality consist of? And I think two big categories are either monism or dualism, either materialism, monism, there's only one substance. Um, and here it kind of falls into the category of atheism, which is this uh, sounds like the person asking this question of that only matter exists. Or we kind of have the Christian perspective of dualism, that there is there are two substances uh, and there is matter. There is the material world, but then there's also the immaterial world. There's a spirit or there's a soul. And so it's important to understand these two distinctions. Now, based on this question, it sounds like the person would be a materialist that meaning is just a bunch of chemicals, that all we are are chemicals reacting. And so I always ask that question, what do you think is the nature of reality? Do you believe that there's an immaterial world uh, or do you believe that the world is only matter? Now, here's why I, I, get, I ask that. Because then the next step, we have epistemology and how we know things, but then also what is called the mind-body problem or the problem of mind. And here's why that creates a problem in short. Now, again, I spent a week and a half on this with high schoolers. I think we were studying this in college. You could spend a whole semester and I'm trying to do it in 10 minutes with you guys. But here's the basic problem of mind. If we have a mind, what is it? What is the ontology? What is the mind? What is it made of? And here I think there are the two options. Either our mind is our brain uh, and the brain and the mind are the same thing, or we have an immaterial thing uh, called this mind where we are able to process and think and we have these functions and that is separate or different than the brain. Now, I think that there are good reasons to believe why to believe that the mind and the brain are different. But in short, 
many atheists that I have spoken to will admit that we don't have minds, or if they say that we do have a mind, it is the same as the brain, or is it a function of the brain? Because of this idea that only the material world exists. So the at least the definition of mind being an immaterial thing can't be true. And that the mind then is just a function of the brain. Well, this is where it kind of creates a problem. You have people like uh, Sam Harris, Richard Dawkins, Lawrence Krauss, uh, Daniel Dennett, um, and the late Christopher Hitchens, uh, who would all kind of agree, at least there are videos that I showed my, my students um, from Sam Harris, Richard Dawkins, and Lawrence Krauss, where Sam Harris flat out says, uh, free will is an illusion. Now, the, the reason for believing this is because without a mind, and, and Richard Dawkins points this out, he goes, I believe, in a I'm a materialist, that everything is determined, all actions are determined from previous events, and therefore we don't have a mind, and we aren't choosing, we aren't thinking, we don't have free will to choose these things. Instead, everything uh, about our lives has been determined. In fact, in one video, Sam Harris said, there are two assumptions that we make uh, that humans make about the world. The first one is that if we rewind the story of our lives, if we go back in the past, that we could have chosen differently. If you ate ice cream last night for dinner and you ate chocolate, we have to make the assumption that I could have chosen vanilla and said I just chose chocolate. Uh, if I played basketball at lunch, I could have chosen not to play basketball. And we have the assumption that we could have chosen to do differently in the past. The second assumption, he says, is that we are the conscious author of our thoughts and our actions, that we are choosing, we are writing the story of our life. And he stops and he says, the problem is that both of these assumptions are false. And because here's the thing, in a materialistic view of the universe, if only matter exists, then we live by what they say is just cause and effect. It's just a, part, a bunch of particles in motion where matter in motion, where particles bouncing around, you may not completely understand how they bounce, but just like particles are not choosing where to bounce, they're not deciding, making decisions, they're not thinking. We are in the same way, just matter in motion, just a bunch of particles. And so we are not making those decisions either. Now, I think that creates a problem. And even with, you know, in the one video, and I'll post these videos in the blog, um, Richard Dawkins says... This goes against our experience, our everyday experience, because we understand our experience makes us believe that we are choosing things, that we are making decisions. And so we have to understand that. And so when we discuss these different worldviews, it's important to understand the very foundation of who are we and can we even think and make decisions. And so here's why. If the person says, yes, I'm a materialist, I only believe in the material universe, then it would follow that the mind and the brain are the exact same thing, or the mind is just an illusion. It doesn't exist. Consciousness is an illusion. Uh, I talked about that on a podcast a little while ago. And then it then logically follows that free will is lost. And in the words of Sam Harris, free will is just an illusion, uh, that we don't have free will and everything in our lives has been determined. Now, there are some people that can live with that, but I think that when they come to that conclusion about themselves, they aren't really thinking those things through. And that might be a controversial statement that I just made. But I think that's true. Because we then use language like, well, I think I come to this conclusion. Well, if you're not thinking that you didn't think that, then you are just a robot. And here's the thing is, if we are just like robots, if we are just a computer system, or what in the words of Lawrence Krauss, a, um, 
It's just um, statistics. Well, computers don't know if they are right or wrong. I can program a computer to give false information and the computer doesn't know if it's right or wrong. It can only put out what it knows or what it not not what it knows, but what it's been given, what is inside of it, the what's installed, the program. You know, when you ask Siri questions, Siri is not thinking, Siri is not debating, Siri is not pondering on how you're going to respond. It just is a software program that spits out information and doesn't know if it's right or wrong. And so if the person is willing to admit that there is only matter that exists, then it would follow that the mind doesn't exist, consciousness is an illusion, that we only have a brain, and if we are only a bunch of matter and a brain, then everything in our lives has been determined and we do not have free will to think or evaluate or ponder or discover the truth in life. Then it follows that we can't know anything, or at least we can only spit out what is in us and we can't be, have the ability to evaluate it to know if what we're saying is actually true or not. And that really breaks down. And at least when I kind of work through this and spend time with this with a person, I think they quickly see, well, I don't think that that's, that goes against everything that I experience. On the second line, if, if they say, well, yeah, I'm a materialist. And then you ask about, well, then how do you view the mind? And they say, well, there's an immaterial mind that's about us. Well, then materialism can't be true because there's an immaterial mind. And so I think that's the basic that we need to look at. So rather than at the surface level, evaluating what is meaning and does meaning exist and just say, well, my worldview says it does. Well, my worldview says it doesn't. Let's get down to the basic fundamental level philosophy. Where does knowledge come from? What actually exists and evaluate these worldviews? And my conclusion is that we need a mind that is independent of our brain in order to think, in order to ponder, in order to evaluate and in order to make choices. And I think that's why these atheists like Richard Dawkins, Sam Harris, Lawrence Krauss have come to the conclusion that determinism is true, that we don't ponder, we don't have free will because it doesn't follow in that worldview. And so that's one way that I would come down to the basics. Then the second way in the last couple minutes that we have, obviously, is just to ask about the existence of God. Because again, this is another one of the foundational elements. If God exists and if he created us, then it would make sense that he gave us meaning. Just like any creator of anything, when the person creates something, they have a purpose for that thing. And that's what gives it its meaning. And so if God exists, then he has given us meaning. And then it should be our job, our responsibility to try and discover and find out what is that meaning rather than creating my own. If God doesn't exist, then yeah, it comes down to what we talked to at the very beginning of, okay, well then who creates meaning? Is it just my personal opinion? And without that objective standard, then it does just become personal subjective opinions. And so when it comes to the existence of God, um, someone might say, well, I just lack a belief in God. <coughs> And my response to that normally is, okay, 
you can lack a belief. Um, but let me just ask you a question. If I make this statement, um, God exists, do you agree or disagree? Uh, because unless we're a true agnostic where we just haven't decided yet, uh, we're either going to say, yes, there is a God or no, there's not. And if the person says, you know, I don't know, well, then you can evaluate some evidence. But if they say, hey, I don't know if there's a God or not, well, then we should kind of go back to that original question of meaning and say, well, then let's maybe we don't know what the purpose of life is, because if there is a God, it's going to change that. So let's let's go on a journey of trying to discover if they're willing to. If they say, no, there is no God, then you ask a question of, okay, how did you come to that conclusion? What are you basing that off of? Do you have any evidence? Do you have any reasons that will support your conclusion that God does not exist? And I don't think that there are discoveries, uh, any good reasons to support the statement that God doesn't exist. Whereas when we look at the statement, does God exist? And we say, yes, God does exist. We can give evidence. You can talk about the cosmological argument that the God's existence is best explained by the beginning of the universe. You can talk about um, consciousness and free will, that God's existence is best explained, that free will is best explained by God. You can talk about the design in the universe and say that, hey, this is best explained by God. And so I think that there are a lot of ways that reasons that we can give to point to God and kind of show the truth of Christianity. And then the aspects of Christianity come out from that. Thank you so much for listening to Coffee House Questions. I've enjoyed talking about this with you. And just to remind you, if this brought up any issues or any questions or any problems with you and you want to ask more and go further, uh, remember you can send in your questions on email, go to the Facebook page, go to my personal Twitter, RyanPauly3, or t- text in your questions like this one that I just got this week at 714-989-6927. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful rest of your week. This is Ryan Pauly. Coffee House Questions.